I used to think success was something you had to be superhuman to achieve. That the successful were different from the rest of us. That you had to be born better than a normal human to achieve anything. But the successful are more similar to you and me than we thought. They're just real people. So I go talk with them. I'm Dakota O'Neill, and this is Real with O'Neill. Alright, hi guys, welcome to Real with O'Neill. We're here today with Principal Russ Moore of Foley High School, who has been an educator for 30 years now, and Principal of Foley High School since 2009. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it, Dakota. Glad to do it, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Alright, could you just uh, give us a little idea of what little Russ Moore was like, what it was like for you in your childhood, the beginning of education, or something like that? Yeah, we, uh, my family is uh, from here for a long time back. I think the first person in our family who moved to Baldwin County was 1805, so that was back when Box Cure existed and pretty much <laughs> nothing else up here did. But um, So my family has deep roots in the community. And uh, But when I was young, we lived in Fort Walton Beach. Um, that's where my dad had found work. And I actually started kindergarten at Ocean City Elementary School. And at that point in time, Alabama didn't have kindergarten, so, so I guess I got a head start <laughs> my friends here. Um, we moved back to Foley when I was in second grade and I finished the rest of my um, education here. It was a great experience. Um, had a lot of great friends. Um, I think for people like you, it's, it was different. Um, you know, I had friends who rode the bus to, to Foley Elementary from Ono Island and, uh, and so the, the zone was bigger and and so forth. There was an Alberta Elementary and a Somerdale Elementary, but no Gulf Shores or anywhere down there. And so, uh, and those kids didn't join us until 10th grade, the Alberta and Somerdale kids. So things were a little different, but um, it was a great place to grow up, and, and I had a great experience growing up. I had a lot of great teachers. Um, I was a I was a rambunctious kid, mm-hmm. I think, like lots of kids are, and, and I got my share of um, paddlings from <laughs> elementary school teachers to keep me focused and, and things of that nature but um, a lot of good memories growing up uh, was it was it early on in your life that you knew you wanted to be an educator or did that come later on or yeah I think that's interesting um, you uh, I don't know how many people I, mean, I guess some people know from an early age exactly what they want to do uh, I don't think most people do mm-hmm. I think most of us kind of muddle through it and then and look for opportunities and try to, to figure out what we can do to, to make a contribution to society. Um, I was good at school, so um, I think uh, a lot of people talk to me about being a doctor or a lawyer or something like that and and I kind of, I think as a teenager, thought, well, if you're going to be successful, you're going to be somebody who's highly, highly respected because they have those kind of degrees or they make lots of money or however you look at it. And of course, doctors and lawyers are important. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got to college, um, kind of didn't really feel like I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So probably for the first time in my life, I think I was a little bit lost there as a college freshman. Um, trying to do some things on a pre-med track, but not really sure if that's what I really wanted to do and so forth. And uh, somewhere along the way, sophomore year-ish, I guess, um, decided I probably ought to figure out what I really wanted to do. (laughs) And so I thought about, you know, my parents raised me to to believe that it's important to make a contribution to society and to 
to look out for other people and things like that. So I'm trying to think about um, who in my life had uh, affected me the most. And uh, I had a good relationship with a couple of doctors in town, so so it wasn't any anti-anything. Right. Um, but um, I had a lot of relatives who were in education. My mom um, was the principal at Foley Intermediate years ago when they first opened it, and I had aunts who were teachers, and, and uh, aunts and uncles up north who were in education and so forth. And and uh, some of the folks who had affected me the most in my life were were teachers and coaches and people of that nature. So as I thought about it, um, that kind of felt like where I was being led. Um, yeah, I'm a Christian and I, I believe in praying on things and, mm-hmm. and trying to make the right decision in those um, context and uh, and when I when I decided to get into education, I really felt like I was in the right place um, almost immediately. So um, never looked back, and it's been a been a great experience. So as you said, thirty years worth. So it's been a been a good life. Yeah. Did Did you face like along the way, just early on in life, as far as like struggles with other kids or struggles with academic work i mean you said you were good in school but is there any any point where you faced a challenge where maybe you were like yeah i think it's important that that we all understand particularly people who are struggling i think everybody goes through some struggles Mm -hmm. emotionally whatever the case may be um y'all probably are old enough to even look back somewhat reflectively on kind of that middle school age I think we all go a little bit crazy then and mm-hmm. I can remember being depressed and being frustrated and being aggravated with the world and, and just being a little bit crazy when I was in seventh grade and it probably was hormonal and chemical more mm-hmm. than anything else but um but um that was a struggle and you know I kind of you know I had great parents and, and I don't think that always matters so <laughs> I think a lot of times um most kids think their parents don't know anything about anything right and I uh, had a, a youth director who kind of came into my life when I was a seventh grader and and uh, nothing real heavy-handed or any real deep conversations but just uh, his friendship and his example did a lot to kind of help me straighten out my crazy middle school brain so um, I think uh, people like that and he, he wasn't a teacher or a, a coach but but I think very similar area, somebody who mentored young people, um, people like that along the way were a big deal. Like I said, I had great parents, but um, other people who didn't have to, repeating some of those messages and and taking an interest in me and thinking I was worth their time to to, uh, to interact with, well, that, that's a big deal for anybody. Right. Uh, and I think everybody struggles here and there and don't think there's any formula in my role now, I have parents in here who are frustrated and they want advice sometimes. And I, I tell them, you know, there's no perfect formula for raising the perfect kid. If there was, then I'd, I'd go make a ton of money to <laughs> how to do that. Um, I see parents who appear to be great parents whose kids aren't really doing very well, academically right. or otherwise. And I see kids whose parents don't seem to be very involved at all. And I try not to be judgmental because I don't know everything, but what I can see, and and they're excelling. So I don't think there's any one formula. I think everybody struggles, and everybody kind of has to find their own path to, to get through that to a certain extent. And it doesn't, you know, 
and those things kind of happen along through life. I think middle school, everybody's crazy for the most part. Right. Um, but um, that carries on to high school for most other people periods, too. Other periods in life that are tough too. You know, um, getting started as a young person, mm-hmm. early twenties, can be challenging. Things don't always go your way. Um, things are sometimes out of your control as far as um, job opportunities and things of that nature. Um, sometimes people, the economy determines yeah. how you're employed more than your boss or you or anything else. Um, so, so I think lots of people kind of have to struggle through some things and uh, and that, that's a part of all of our journey, so to speak. Right. I can definitely understand that. Uh, so do you feel like it was a combination of mentorship and then your faith and then just hard work that carried you through made and got you through because I mean you got how many diplomas up there behind you I know you have a bachelor's in education mm-hmm. and a master's, master's. yeah I, I stopped with a master's and uh, I've always felt like uh, a doctorate was for people who wanted to be professors or maybe superintendents and and this is my sweet spot is, is working in a high school um, I Honestly, when I decided I was going to go into education, my goal was to come back to Foley and, and, and be one of the people in Foley who took care of the kids in Foley. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I wanted to do. And um, I don't know, I, it, I can't remember how many years ago it was, so it may have overlapped you guys or not. But um, I had one year in my educational journey where the school board asked me to be the assistant superintendent on an interim basis, and I agreed to it on an interim basis, mm-hmm. and told them I would be open-minded to, to continuing beyond that, but a um, good way into that year, it was pretty obvious to me that that I wasn't in the place that I belonged. I was glad to help out that year, and it was a challenging year for the school system, and, and I had a lot of respect for the people I worked with, but this was where I wanted to be, and this is where I belonged. So. Um, so this this has kind of been my, my sweet spot here. What is it about this job in particular versus since you've had experience both being a teacher and also as an interim superintendent, what is it about this job that's different than those two roles? Well, I think every, all of them are important. And I, and I always felt like I had an, an important role as a teacher and a coach and even as a bus driver. You know, you're greeting kids and you're saying goodbye to them and, and you don't know what's going on in between those bus journeys, but um, but you try to be pleasant and, and, and still maintain order, and those two things can be a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Little kids get hyped up on candy, and you have to fuss a little more than you want to, and so forth, but uh, I think in all those roles, there's an importance. Um, I think you guys can probably relate with this building. Our cafeteria ladies have a big effect on some kids, and they, they give everybody a smile, and and just a real pleasant group of people. And uh, they've got their, their own kind of mission in that aspect, and, and they're there to take care of us and so forth. So I think all of us have opportunities. Um, I've been one, you know, we talked about success a little bit before we came on the air here. And uh, I think different people look at that differently as far as what equals success, but also even how to, how to pursue it and to me, um, being successful is just about taking whatever role you've been given 
and working hard at it and doing your very best so that you're having the most positive effect through your role that you can. Um, I've always heard about people who wanted to, I think the expression was dress for the job that you want to have, which always kind of implies you didn't want to be where you were. And I've always been a little bit different and just kind of kept my brain where I am. And it uh, doesn't mean I didn't open my eyes to opportunities because again, I believe that sometimes a door that's open is, has been put there on purpose. Right. Now, some, there are some there that, that are stumbling blocks, and I think we all have to keep in mind what our goals are and things like that because uh, we have opportunities that maybe aren't the best ones to pursue sometimes as well. But um, I've always tried to focus on whatever my job was, so um, wasn't really looking for a raise or looking for a uh, promotion so much as, as trying to be the best I could be in whatever that job was. And so. Um, enjoyed teaching, enjoyed working with kids that way, enjoyed coaching, honestly enjoyed driving the bus. Um, I think a lot of times just um, having the best attitude that you can about whatever you've been asked to do is pretty important and I think a lot of times when you when you do put sincere effort into it, the reactions you get from people make it satisfying. I can understand that, that for sure. Oh. So, with all that being said, uh, did you intend to uh, always be in the educational field, or have you ever looked for uh, or opened your eyes to an opportunity in other fields? I don't think so much outside the field. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've I've considered over the years, even since I've been here, even though I thought this was my destination, I've looked into a couple of other things, just wondering. Um, you know, I've been transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably my first big goal personally was to eventually be the head football coach here. And uh, that happened quicker than I expected. Mm-hmm. I would have been content to have been an assistant coach five, six, seven, eight more years than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, timing was just different than I expected. And, and it was a real challenging time to be a head coach and I didn't balance a lot of things with life and family and so forth as well as I could have and and uh, we struggled some and we had some success but ultimately I decided that that apparently even though I thought that was where I, exactly where I wanted to be wasn't and uh, so I shifted gears and kind of went toward administration and uh, and there were a couple of opportunities to, to look elsewhere and uh, looked into those things and even have been offered other things but um, again I think sometimes just because the doors open doesn't always mean that's a, exactly the right one and that's kind of frustrating and confusing in itself you would like for everything that becomes available to you to be the right thing right. I think we have to, to discern those things as we go along and uh, one of my mentors early in my career I saw him turn down a situation and, and he's 10, 12 years older than I am, and, and we talked about it enough that he kind of walked me through his reasoning, and then what he told me made a lot of sense, so I've always kind of looked at things carefully as well, um, so I think that's part of part of trying to, to work through the maze as well. I get what you're saying, uh, but it sounds like you've never really been concerned with money, that's not why you do what you do at all, so what is it about this job? that you enjoy or what motivates you to do your best at it? 
I think just seeing kids grow up. I mean, I, I think it's a, a great job. Um, I think elementary school teachers are amazing and they, they love what they do and they teach so many different things. And I, I pick on our teachers if they ever get whiny, I tell them to drive by Foley Elementary School on their way home and mm -hmm. see how many cars are still parked there. Um, those folks work extremely hard. They're very passionate about what they do. Um, high school teachers are too in their own way, but um, I think sometimes that might be the most pure um, teaching job there is, is working with little bitty kids. Now, I have no business working with little bitty kids. They make me nervous. I <laughs> worry I'm going to step on somebody that stress me out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm much better with, with big kids, but uh, and we all have where we fit, so to speak, in life, whether it's education or something else. But um, I think um, the biggest thing for me is just that I get to take some kids who are really still children when you come out of eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think most ninth graders would probably bristle at being called a child, but but they're com coming out of that and everybody's at a little bit different place in that progression. And uh, very definitely young adults and grown-ups when I, when I get to hand them a diploma, I think that's pretty awesome. And uh, it didn't matter whether it was teaching, because I taught ninth, tenth, eleventh grade, and I often had English students who asked if I could teach 12th grade, and I told them, I don't think you're allowed to get a diploma with only one English teacher, because that's <laughs> who had me for all three years through 11th. But um, they, uh, you get to see that as a teacher, and you get to see it as an administrator, you get to see it as a coach. So I think it's just a, a neat time of life to, to see people figuring themselves out. And I don't think very many of us have it completely figured out at high school graduation. I think there's still some, some oh, figuring yeah. to be done. And honestly, you know, I'm in my 50s. I don't know that I've got it all figured out by any stretch, even for myself, let alone for the rest of the people I know. Um, I have lots of opinions, but I don't know that I have it all figured out. Right. I understand that. Has there been, like, a defining moment for you as an educator? Like, one moment you look back on a lot and you're like, yeah, that just for that, this was all worth it? Yeah, I think it's, um, for me, it, it's more just a lot of little moments. Okay. Uh, times when when uh, you kind of see a kid all of a sudden sort of walk into themselves and get their self-confidence. Um, and it may not even be somebody that I've worked with directly. You know, in my role, I get to see that sometimes in things that I don't know much about, but I kind of see that moment as I'm observing where obviously they all of a sudden, their self-confidence takes two or three steps forward and they, they feel like they've hit their, their stride somewhat. Um, I think it's uh, on occasion, and I don't think very many of us get a ton of these, but um, when you bump into somebody at Walmart and they just tell you, hey, and you probably didn't even know this, but when, you, when I was in your class, I was at a tough time in life and I was feeling sorry for myself and and whatever the situation was. You know, you either patted them on the back or you kicked them in the pants or whatever it was that you thought they needed and it just happened to be the right thing at the moment. Um, those are a big deal. So there's, there's lots of little ones for me, more than one big one. That's awesome. Uh, now, out of coaching and bus driving and teaching administration and your short period as a superintendent, what would you say that in the professional field has been the most challenging moment or what type of moments are the most challenging for you? 
Well, I think um, any time that you feel like um, you're not having the impact that you want to have mm-hmm. is challenging. And I think sometimes there's a lot of things going on there. Um, you have to question yourself, Am I? do I have the right goal here? It doesn't seem to be one Do I have the right approach to reach the goal? Or um, why is this not working out? Or, or do I... Are we just pointing in the wrong direction and we've got to rethink this thing? Right. So I think um, anytime you don't feel like um, things are rolling along the way they should, you begin to, to question things. And, and I think in all of those roles, there have been those moments where um, you're not getting the results you want. And I think that's a part of life. If you want the definition of saying he's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result kind mm-hmm. of deal. And I don't remember who said that, but it certainly wasn't me. But um, somebody smart said that. <laughs> and at uh, any rate, so sometimes you have to decide when is it time to, to keep your head down and keep pushing forward, and, and when is it time to reevaluate and uh, try a different approach. So I think, um, you know, again, whether it's teaching an English class and uh, trying to get kids to understand participles. Mm-hmm when most of them don't really care what a participle is or, or why it exists or anything of that nature. Because um, there are lots of those things in education that are that are building blocks of other things that it's hard to get kids to, to really develop an appreciation for. Um, it, it doesn't matter what it is, I think there are going to be challenges. Obviously in coaching there are challenges and, and uh, working with teachers and kids and parents there are challenges. Um, there were some some real challenges as an assistant superintendent that were more of a political nature, which wasn't, I don't feel like I'm very politically correct sometimes, so <laughs> I struggled to, uh, to always make good choices about what I said and didn't say and things of that nature. Um, bit my tongue a lot. In hindsight, sometimes wish I'd gone ahead and said some things, you know, so I think all of us have those moments that are, that are tough. Right. I can understand that. Uh, Now, you brought up political nature and being a superintendent. You also said that high school teachers act differently than elementary school teachers, in a sense, or or that they're also passionate about their jobs. Yeah, I think it takes a different kind of person for the different levels. And, uh, you know, I think um, sometimes for me, and we've got lots of great teachers, and, and I wouldn't even say anything negative about ones that I've tried to get to think about some things differently, but um, you know, I've had conversations with people before who felt like their job was to be like a college professor, and uh, I've explained to them that and I, that sounds a little condescending when I say explain. That's not the way I mean it. We've discussed the fact that, that college professors aren't really teachers. They're experts in their field, right? and I, I think high school teachers are really experts in their field, but also their people. Their main job is to teach people, to to help people develop and grow and things of that nature. And so um, we don't want to throw them to the wolves and, and see who comes to the top kind of thing. We want, want to nurture all of them and try to, to reach each of them in their own little place as best we can. Um, that's tougher to do than it is to say, and that's, that's why it's challenging. Right. Um, you know, I think back on my college professors, and I don't think any of them sweated whether I got it or not. 
because that wasn't their job. Their job was to be an expert and to to publish and to, to stand in front of a, a lecture hall and tell us what they knew about things and then we could figure it out right. ourselves, you know. Um, it's different at this level. So I think um, I think that's kind of one of those areas where we're, we're different and we, we think of ourselves as experts, and we are, but I don't want us to forget that we're also teachers and that, that kids are all maturing at different rates. Right. There are kids in every classroom. Who Need probably, different levels of who attention. Probably could teach themselves. Right. But they're not the majority. Right. <laughs> and then there are kids who need a lot of things, including um, self confidence and a pat on the back or a, or a kick in the pants or whatever it may be, motivation um, to get them to the point where they're ready to listen and learn and things of that nature. So it's it's a it's a really complex thing that we're doing. And, uh, and we've got to take a lot of pride in the teaching aspect of it, not just what we know. Right. I can ramble on and on about what I know about various things. And uh, yay, good for me. Right. Know? Doesn't mean anyone learned anything right. from it at the end right. of it. So I think trying to, to figure out what's going to reach kids and, and what they really need to know. And, of course, as high school educators, we've got to cover the course of study, and there are lots of ways to do that. And we need to, t- to be sure that we do cover it. Um, but just saying I did from A to Z and I got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, what's more important, whether you finished it or whether anybody got anything out of it. So, right. Um, and our teachers work really hard at that. And I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm battling with very many of them. Um, I think the main thing I've ever had to talk to people about was just that idea that I'm going to teach it and they can get it or not get it. Well, we, we got to, I don't think anybody ever really meant that. They just get a little frustrated and say those things. Um, I've never heard an elementary school teacher say that. Right. It would be a little unfair to say something like that about a little eight-year-old. Well, yeah, but I think it's also just kind of, they tend to be a little more um, nurturing that way. You know, I don't know if I consider myself to be nurturing or not. I'm probably other people don't. I'm kind of big and scary looking. But I I care about folks and I want things to to go well for them and that's important. And that's where I think we achieve success is when we, as high school people, personnel, is when we put kids in a position to to have their own success. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So as far as the the core, the curriculum, the, the... what did, what did you say? The the way that you have to teach, or at least the subject matter you have to cover, is it, do you find that nowadays that's more restrictive than it used to be, or do you still feel like teachers have enough freedom to where they should be able to engage all yeah. variety of different students? I think there's always been a course of study. Mm-hmm. The state of Alabama or wherever you are has their own course of study, and they do vary a little bit from state to state. So, you know. As far back as you want to go, teachers had some things they were supposed to cover. And I think sometimes math teachers, who I think are great teachers, and I I use them as an example as far as being focused and determined and and working hard and having a plan and having a backup plan and so Mm -hmm. forth and so on. But I think sometimes they are more worried about teaching the whole book than they they should be sometimes. So I pick on them a little bit about that. But... Um, and I think some other areas, sometimes we get a little 
focused on one thing we love to teach and we might spend too much time on that and not hit on some other things that would be good to hit on as well. So, so it's sort of a fine line in between. But uh, no, I think that's always been challenging, but I think there's always room. I think it's one thing the teachers like about teaching is um, they have a, a large degree of autonomy. You know, they have, they have some things that they need to check off, but, um, but they have a large degree of autonomy on what they teach and how they teach it and their approach to it and, their, and so forth and so on. Um, we want to be collaborative and we want to have a lot of things in common and we want kids' experience in various classes to be similar, but um, everybody has their own personality and I think that's something that teachers do enjoy is that they're allowed to, to be themselves and, uh, and uh, kind of define their approach to things as long as they're, as long as they're touching on the things that we as a, as a system and as a, a state system say are crucial. And as long as they touch on those, I think they have a lot of autonomy. So I think that's a great thing for them. Uh, whenever you were in school, did you have a favorite subject? You brought up math teachers. Uh, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I, I was probably best at math. And I guess if I had gone to college and known the day I walked in the door that I wanted to be a teacher, I probably would have been a math teacher. Um, because I was good at it, um, I took the only math class I was required to take in college my first semester, and then I moved on. And then when I decided I was going to be a teacher, I was going to have to backtrack and catch up, and I probably wasn't going to finish in four years. And and um, in hindsight, I don't how, know how important that was. But um, in my family, my father had pushed through college really quickly and hadn't wasted a whole lot of time, and, and I sort of felt a, a little bit of a challenge there to do the same. Right. And uh, in my mind, at that point in time, as long as you cared about kids, that was all that mattered. And I had more English hours, and I was good at English and what have you. So I, I majored in English. Um, if I were advising somebody who was getting into education, I would say be sure that you, for high school, teach something you're really passionate about, because I think that passion does matter. And uh, and I'll, I'll say straight up, I think my, my English students probably got gypped on poetry because <laughs> we covered the stuff that I needed to cover for the course of study, and they would try to show me poems, and I'd be like, I'm, dude, I'm sorry. I, I'm just <laughs> the poetry, and I'll tell you what, I'll send you down the hall to Miss Taylor, and, and she'll brag on your poem, and she might even put it in the um, literary magazine if, it's, if she thinks it's good enough, and, and I hate that I can't be your... <laughs> uh, poetry buddy but that's just not my thing well I don't think that was the end of the world but but um, I didn't always have as much passion about the subject matter as, as some other people did um, so if I were advising somebody so I'd be sure to go into a field that you're passionate about that's awesome uh, if you were to give advice to anyone other than teach what you're passionate about who is considering becoming a teacher uh, as far as dealing with students and getting them engaged goes well what would be your advice for enga engaging students well I think it's a lot like any other relationship mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's trying to, to think okay it's not all about me mm -hmm. okay um, I don't think very many people can get away with just being a 
the, the actor on the stage, so to speak. Now, I've had a couple of teachers who were great at that, and it was almost like watching a comedy routine or some type of monologue, funny or not, that was really engaging, and they just seemed to kind of know exactly what they wanted to do every day, and they just rambled on, and they were still interesting, um, but not very many. Right. And an economics professor like that, it was kind of like watching a comedy show every time I went to class, and, uh, and I think economics... And I wish I could remember some of his stories because it's hard to imagine economics being <laughs> entertaining. Funny and entertaining. Right. It's kind of a dry matter, but he, he had tons of stories that illustrated different concepts that, that kind of made it real to us. And I guess he'd been doing it long enough that he built up enough stories to get all the way through the semester. But um, most people, I think you got to consider who you're working with more. Again, that is college and, and you're producing something for people to consume as they wish, whereas at this level you're, you're trying to reach everybody's needs. So I think that's a big part of it, is uh, caring about kids, caring about what you're teaching, and, and understanding that, that you've got to, to reach them where they are. And every class is different. You know, um, I don't know if y'all ever heard a teacher say this or not, but there are times when you're teaching something and you knock it out of the park with second period and you think you're awesome and, and then you have fourth period come in and everybody looks at you like you're the most boring thing in the history of the world mm -hmm. and you're thinking I just I just slayed second period in the same <laughs> lesson what happened and but classes have their own personalities so sometimes even though that requires a little more planning on the part of the teacher or a little more instinctiveness depending on the person um, I think you have to adjust even during the day and I think most kids probably don't even think about that. I, I tell kids all the time, I'll talk to your teacher about adjusting to you. I need you to understand you that you have seven that. teachers to adjust to, and they have 150, 160, 170, whatever it is, students to adjust to. Which one of those things is easier? I, I need you to meet us at least halfway, maybe a little further, frankly. Right. Um, considering the the challenge that the teacher has in this area. So uh, anyway, I'm rambling on. What's no, it's okay. But, uh, but I think um, those are some things that are important as well. Uh, now, you have uh, children who have come through here as your students, haven't you? I have four children, and they all graduated from here. Um, I think um, my oldest... I probably was an assistant principal when he was a freshman. I think I took over when he was a sophomore, if I've got my timing right. Um, so most of his career was with me being in the front office, and the other three, all of it was. That's awesome. Uh, did you, you never actually taught any of them, though, did you? No. Uh -huh. We we have teachers who, for whatever reason, and we I think most people try to avoid that just because it's... Um, probably tougher on the kid than it is on the teacher. Right. Um, and, you know, I think at times it was tough on my kids to be the principal's kid. Um, whether people thought so or not, I think sometimes they got ragged about whatever success they had being somehow related to that. Um, as a kid, I would have been self-confident enough to ignore those things, and I think they did sometimes, and sometimes it bothered them. But, um, at any rate, it... It can be challenging for, for teachers' kids. Um, 
They're probably some Avengers too, but I'd point that out to mine. I mean, mm-hmm. when they forget their lunch money, they just come bug their dad who's right down the hall. It's <laughs> more lunch money. Um, when they need gas in their car, they email and say, hey, will you go out and put some gas in my car? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, and not very many other people in the building get to do that. I'm, right. I haven't put gas in anybody else's car besides my kids. So, so, um, that's not part of the employee benefits that's, package. Yeah, that's not part, <laughs> of it. Not part of it. But uh, at any rate, they, uh, I think it's been a good experience for me, for sure. And I, I think it's been fine for them as well. The, uh, did you participate in any extracurriculars, like sports or like chess club or anything like that while you were in school? Yeah, I did a little, a little bit of everything. I think my biggest focus was, was sports. And I played football and basketball and baseball. And football and baseball in particular... I was pretty deep into, and basketball I played for a couple of years and, and sort of felt like I was dispensable, so I, I let that <laughs> one go. Um, I kind of regret not playing all the way through with that because I had a good time when I was playing, and I think sometimes as a kid, you listen to lots of people's opinions, and people told me I need, didn't need to do three, I need to focus on two, and I kind of thought I was going to be a baseball star, and basketball was somehow interfering there. In hindsight, I wish I'd have done all three all the way through. Um, I took up a lot of time. Um, I started Scholars Bowl when I was a student, and uh, the teachers in charge thought I would be the sports expert, and I was okay at it, but there were a lot of conflicts. They were trying to practice after school, and I always had practice after school and what have you. And I had a friend who was, you know, he was, he was like, I don't know, he was, he, he knew more sports than I did. He wasn't very athletic personally, but he just had great recall for that particular subject. And we talked about it a lot, and I don't think it had occurred to them to have him involved. And so I recommended him to the teacher in charge to, to take my spot, and she was kind of aggravated with me. And I said, well, I'll come as much as I can. I feel like I'm letting the group down by being in basketball practice or baseball or whatever's going on. Um, this guy is better than the atheist and can be here and will be dedicated. Anyway, it turned out great for him and everybody, so that was a good thing. Um, I was in Key Club and all those things, and we weren't as structured back then. Right. As, you know, we've, we've had some clubs do some awesome things here. In my time as an, ed- as, as an employee, as an educator, mm-hmm. um, that are amazing. They're way above and beyond anything we achieved when I was in the club itself. Um, but but I was in a little bit of everything. Well, yeah, it sounds like you've done a good job of keeping your education, your experiences pretty diverse. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, good student and honor society and all that stuff. And and uh, even though I love sports, I think I was better at school. Mm-hmm. And uh, had an academic had academic scholarships to help me get through college, and and obviously. That was that was a good thing. It's mm-hmm. always good to save some money and and uh, reap some rewards for your efforts academically. And and uh, you know, I think those sports experiences are a big part of who I am too. So so all of it kind of fits together for all of us. Whatever whatever our picture looks like, and everybody's a little different. And uh, none of my kids have been super sporty. And one out of the four who who was reasonably sporty mm-hmm. and. Uh, and they all had great experiences and other things. So I think for everybody, it's a little different. The high school experience, but I, 
I do think it's important. I think that's kind of what you're indicating that um, if you can, and I have friends who really didn't have a whole lot of choices because they had economic and family situations that kind of required them to, to go out the door at three o'clock and go get to work somewhere, which back then there weren't as many jobs for teenagers as there are now, but, but I had some friends who people sort of knew that that they were helping pay the bills at the house and that they needed to right. to keep them on at the grocery store or, or there are just a few places that, that would even keep somebody employed during the school year back then. Um, and they didn't have a choice to be involved in as many things as I did. So I think that's a blessing too and I think a lot of times we take those things for granted and some people don't have those options. But um, if you can, if one can, um, I always recommend that the kids get involved in something and we've, we've pushed real hard. And I think that's one of the things I'm proud of as a principal to try to expand those things as much as we can. Um, I think um, Foley, because of the work situation, has always been a place where for some kids it was challenging for us to keep them in school long enough for them to get a diploma because they could always go work. And, um, you know, I think my personal experience, you know, if, if we had financial difficulties at the house, I didn't know it. Right. Um, so we were comfortable enough that, that there was never any pressure on me to, to pay for anything. Now, my parents wanted me to have a work ethic, and I did pay for things, but it wasn't because I had to. It was because I wanted to, and, and they felt like that built responsibility in me to do that. But um, I think um, it's a... And I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> but um, I think it's important for, for all of us to uh, to be as involved as we can. Now, as an administrator, I've kind of tried to look at that like, okay, athletics is something that's always had kept kids at school. And kids will come to school because they got practice and so forth. Um, I think fine arts has been very similar. You know, when kids come to school because they don't want to miss band or they don't want to miss chorus or, or whatever the case may be. Um, theater or just visual arts or whatever it may be. I think those things have always been important. When I was coming through school, if you wanted to do anything career tech-wise, you had to get on the bus and go to, to Robertsdale to do it. So we've really tried to expand our offerings here because basically if you were an athlete or a band kid, you weren't going to do those things because you really couldn't afford it in your day to, to go half a day to, to Robertsdale. Um, so we've tried to offer things here, and we've got a lot of things that we didn't have before I took over that I think are important. We've got kids in health occupations who are getting to intern at the hospital, and they get to see babies born and people operated on, and, and all kind of gross stuff. And some <laughs> come back and say, oh my gosh, that was terrible. I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. Well, it's good to find out what you don't want to do, just like it is to find out what you do want to do. Right. People who come back, and it's the most awesome thing I've ever done, and, and I can't wait to get out in the world and do this for real kind of deal. Um, so I think that's been a great program and having a nurse teaching it and having trainers, athletic trainers teach those kids so they get some real hands-on stuff. It's been a big deal. Um, we've tried to upgrade ag, for instance, and we've got really kind of two separate areas of agriculture. And, and I don't know in that particular area that a whole lot of people are going to go be a farmer or go be um, a veterinarian. I think there's a limit on how many of those we need in the world nowadays. But... Um, but they learn a lot of things about themselves and, and with all these career tech things, there are clubs and there are 
competitions and, and you learn things from those things. And some of the kids are interested in athletics or band, but they are interested in those things. So we've um, got education and training, ROTC is a big deal. And I think that's a great opportunity for kids, whether they go into military or not. Um, we've got the robotics program. We've got um, various things going on that we didn't have before that I think are significant. And then we tried to expand AP offerings and make that a little bit bigger deal because um, I think people think smart kids or kids who are good at school aren't at risk. And I think sometimes if they don't have a place to belong and, and feel like that that's significant, that they're just as at risk as anybody else. So, um, you know, grad rate here wasn't good at all. And, it, and it's, you know, we're, we're close to 90% all the time now. And I think just where we live, I don't know that we'll ever push 100% graduation <laughs> right. rate because there are people who go make $15, $20 an hour and that for their family, that's a big deal and, and that's what they want to do. And, and I try to remind folks sometimes that nobody's really from here anymore. Right. You know, when I was a high school kid, we were impressed when Foley got to have 2,000 people in it. Well, they're over 20,000 now, so that means 90% of the people aren't from here. Well, why are they here? They moved here for the jobs that we do have. Right. And that's a big deal for their family, and they're excited about it. And so um, those don't all require a high school diploma. I still would tell any kid, I've never met anybody in Walmart who said, I wish I hadn't gotten my diploma. Right. I certainly meet people who say, I wish I'd listened to you and stuck with it, because right now, I've got a job, but it's not the job I want. And the job I want, I'm having a hard time getting because I don't have that piece of paper. So um, certainly it's important, but um, we, we've done a lot to, to get kids to hang in there. So we're proud of that. Uh, what would you say is probably the most common cause for kids not finishing high school in your experience? Well, I think when we're 16, 17, 18, that we're always impatient and we want to get out and do our own thing and we want to be independent. And so I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think it has much to do with school. I think it has to do with life. And, um, and I think because they want to so bad and because they kind of passive aggressively do destructive things to their transcript, mm-hmm. parents just get frustrated and say, okay, then just do it. And uh, that makes somebody a bad person or a bad parent, even though, you know, there, there are different situations with different kids, you know, different experiences with my own four kids. And, and y'all can see your friends around you and your siblings and things like that. Everybody's a little different mm-hmm. in their experience and how to deal with them is different. But um, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just life and, and, and that general teenage impatience and, and what have you. And um, again, there are plenty of people who have the same experience as those kids who do stick it out and who do go on to do other things. And then there are other people who have all everything set up for them perfectly and they still don't appreciate it at that point in their life. Right. And, uh, and they still manage to foul it up. So I think, um, you know, a lot of times when I do see somebody who has regrets, you know, I think all I can tell them at that point in time is, you know, you don't look backwards look at your future and, and look at what you want to do and, and figure out what things you can do over the next year or two or three that'll, that'll get you closer to where you want to be. Right. And focus on those positive things that you can do. Um, 
regrets aren't worth a whole lot. You know, I think um, doesn't mean we should forget mistakes that we've made along the way, but um, learn what you can from them and yeah, move on. Yeah, definitely shouldn't dwell on. Right. Uh, you you said something interesting to me a minute ago. You said uh, people feel like school is a big measurement of how smart you are as a person. Do you feel like that's true? Do you feel like school is a good measurement of someone's true intelligence, or? Well, I think the big thing to understand, and I think most people do get this, whether they say it out loud or not, is there are lots of different kinds of intelligence, and uh, that's something that professors make money talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm not a super social person. Right. I, I like people. I care about people. In a lot of situations, I don't know what to say to people. Um, you know, y'all know Coach Tucker, and Coach Tucker has his own personality, but one thing he's really good at is when somebody dies, if it has anything to do with school, I make him go with me because he always knows what to say to people and how to say it and, and what have you, and all I can think of is I'm sorry. You know, and I guess that's worth something in itself, but I always feel inadequate in those situations. Um, so I think um, there are lots of different kinds of intelligence, and, and uh, you know, I, I think for most kids, what kind of grades they make probably has more to do with how focused and determined they were than it does with how capable they were. Right. I really, particularly when people fail a course, I don't think, maybe math every now and then, but I don't think very often it's because they, they could not learn it. Right. I think it's because they did not focus on it enough and we're not determined enough to get it done. And we see that in summer school when they knock it out and get it done, and we're thinking, well, if you'd have worked this hard on it the first time, it'd have been a lot easier on you. Um, so I think um, certainly that I know people who are geniuses in lots of ways besides book smarts, and, uh, and we all know people in the community who might not have been the very best student in the world, but they're awesome at what they do. Right. So, so certainly I think what high school is more about to me is showing some work ethic and some determination and some resiliency when things don't go your way and so forth and I think even a high school diploma is more about sticking with something um, to the world right you know there are lots of jobs here where somebody gets a job because they've got a diploma over somebody who doesn't and you really think about it does the high school diploma the thing that matters to the boss or is it the fact that somebody stuck with something? I think it's probably the fact that they stuck with something is a bigger deal to the boss in a restaurant or or wherever. Um, so so I think that's that's a big part of what school is, is uh, conforming enough to what society expects of you to show that you can kind of be determined and get things done. All right. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um... If you were to give advice to a student today is their first day of high school, and I, you've already talked about being focused and working hard and that extracurriculars can help you along, but other than that, if you had a student come through today and they came up to you and they said, what do I need to do to succeed here? What would you tell them? Well, I'd tell them all of those things for sure, but I also think um, I think we're kind of in a time period now, and it's interesting to me how it sort of ebbs and flows, where we have a lot of kids who show up who seem a little bit beat down and frustrated the day they get here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with life in general and aren't real optimistic and, and don't have a, a belief that what they do can change their reality and can change um, what their eventual outcomes may be and so forth and so on. I think a lot of people believe there's more luck in that than there is anything else. And, and, I, and, you know, and I can tell you, I've had things go my way that have helped me along the way. There's no doubt about it. But I think oftentimes you put yourself in a position for those things to happen by just working and, and being determined. There's a quote I heard a long time ago. I can't remember who it was by, but it was, uh, luck is whenever opportunity meets preparation. It's a great way to say it, for sure. But um, at any rate, I think um, for us, it's 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 kind of trying to convince kids, you know, get in there and, and compete. Competition is a good thing when you're looking at it the positive way. Right. Uh, and we, we kind of do the seven habits of highly effective people, and we're not, we haven't paid a bunch of money to somebody to use that. But, but we believe in things like win-win. You know, you don't have to crush somebody to be successful. Sometimes both of you can win in the course of competition or anything mm -hmm. else in life. Um, you know, I think most of us as adults who are making a business deal or whatever the case may be, we want to come out in a good position, but that doesn't mean we have to destroy the other party for us to be in a good position. And honestly, probably somewhere down the road, it's better if we both win. And I think trying to help kids understand that's important. Um, but just, uh, and I think telling kids to be proactive and explaining to them what proactive means is important. Um, part of that, getting away from the idea of luck and, and just wandering into things. Mm -hmm. Certainly there are ways you can prepare yourself to be ready when opportunity does not. So um, those are things that we talk to kids about, trying to help them figure out, you know, Sometimes they listen, and sometimes they just think you're an old person who's mm -hmm. telling old-fashioned ideas, but uh, I think all of them listen a little bit, probably more than we think they do. Even if they don't listen at the time, as long as you get that idea and they don't, they'll have it whenever they need it. Yeah, I believe that. I had a preacher said one time that um, you kind of raise your kids in the church, and, and probably at some point in time they'll wander off a little bit, but when they get to a point where they want to have their own family, they're going to want their kids to have that same experience, and that kind of brings them back oftentimes. So I think it's a similar idea with everything is that sometimes we sort of file things away and don't apply them at that moment, but we do have them there to, to pull out when we really, really need them down the road somewhere, hopefully. Well, this has been really awesome. Uh, we have just a few minutes left. Is there a... Anything you want to tell people about any events coming up with the school or anything like that or uh, any, usually with the business owners I meet with, I give this chance to shout out their social media and their business and that type of stuff. Is there any projects you would want people to be aware of? Well, I think we'd love for people to, to look online at our stuff as well. And I'm not a tech savvy person, but I mm -hmm. have people here who, who put things on Facebook and who put things on our website and so forth and so on. Um, I've always been one who was I was taught not to toot my own horn, so to speak, mm -hmm. and I think um, as an educator, sometimes you need to do that because people don't always, you know, they, they do hear the, the bad stuff, but they don't always hear the good stuff that's going on. I, you know, I tell people all the time, they say, oh, I wouldn't want to have your job, and I say, I've got the best job in town. I'm around mm -hmm. teenagers, young people who are 
doing awesome things every day. Yeah, some of them do not hit things sometimes, but uh, it's a very small right. portion of, of the kids in the building are going to have a crazy day. Uh, and I try to remind the teachers of that because sometimes when two kids beat the tar out of each other in the hall, I think we tend to focus on those two kids and we forget that 1,600 kids didn't beat the tar out of anybody. They did what they were supposed to do. Right. Um, so I think, um, yeah, we want people to be involved. We, I'd love for people to, to come to events we have, whether they have kids involved or not. I think um, being supportive of, of your community in that way and mm-hmm. your young people is important. Um, and we have signs all over the building that say through these halls walk the future leaders of our community. And that's what they are. And I think all of us as grown-ups have a, have a duty to, to be as supportive as we can. And that usually involves us asking for money, and that's why people kind of run the other way when they see us. But, um, you know, again, school systems pay for the, the things that really, really matter, English, math, science, and social studies. But the things that kind of keep kids engaged in those things have to be paid for by the community in some way, shape, form, or fashion. The extracurricular things, the clubs, the sports, the, the band, the, all those things. And so the more support we get, the better. We'd love to have people come to ball games just because we've got a lot of kids on display and getting to show off what they can do in the course of a ball game. Uh, we'd love for people to come to concerts and things of mm-hmm. that nature. Um, we probably don't do as good a job asking as we should. Um, so we're always trying to do a little bit better on that end of things. But uh, but certainly um, just understanding that, that when they can donate whatever they can donate because any amount helps. I mean, we see this, you know, and President Obama, his main fundraising was when he was first becoming president the first time was five and ten and fifteen and twenty dollar donations. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't massive when he first started out. He was pretty well unknown. And, right. uh, so it was small amounts. So so any any donation makes a difference and gives us a chance to give a kid an opportunity to feel like a big shot. And uh, you know, we want kids to feel important. Um, a lot of times, as we talked about earlier, when you're a teenager, you have a lot of different feelings about yourself and you need somebody to tell you every now and then that you're awesome. That is very true. Uh, yeah, one last question. Would you say that uh, schools give enough attention, or at least in your experience, that schools are giving enough attention to mental health? Well, I think um, I think that topic has changed so much in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think we're behind the curve a little bit. I'll say that. I think we want to take care of kids in every way that we can. Um, I think sometimes there's some confusion about when you're helping and when you're enabling. Okay. I don't know that the experts have all that figured out. I certainly don't consider myself to be a, an expert in those types of things. And honestly, I grew up, suck it up, buttercup kind of thing. Right. And that's not what everybody needs to hear. And I know that. And, uh, and so I try to be more empathetic when I'm talking to kids. And, and I think some kids do need to hear that. So I try to figure out who needs to hear that and who needs to hear something different. Um, you know, we, it's been important to us to have a social worker here at this school because counselors 
can't do everything that a social worker can do. There are some constrictions on them, literally, that they're not allowed to do certain things that social workers are. So we've tried to attend to people's home needs a little bit through that process. Um, over the years when I've had different superintendents ask me what I needed, I, so I'm, I've got a counselor for every grade. I really need a social worker for every grade in this community. And, and I love this community. I don't want to work in any other community in the county. But um, we've, we've got a lot of people, and I think every family would love to be, and I always say Norman Rockwell Payne, and I think kids maybe don't know what a Norman Rockwell Payne is. <laughs> I think all of us would like to have the ideal perfect family, whatever it is that people picture that as. But there are a lot of folks in this community who are just working their tails off to survive, let alone to get ahead of things. And, um, and that, that brings some stress to the whole family sometimes. Um, I can't imagine what it's like as a kid to have to move because you can't pay the rent and they turn the lights off. And you know, a lot of our kids have experienced that. Mm-hmm. As a small child, what's that do to you? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I know that we need to, to do as much as we can to, to help kids out with those types of things. And yeah, I think we're still figuring that out because stuff like that's always happened. I think social media and a lot of things have made how we perceive things a little different. Yeah, And have definitely sure. made it more important to, to attend to people's um, mental health. I was going to say something fancier than that, mm-hmm. but that's really what it is. So, yeah, I, I think we all are striving to figure out how to get our hands wrapped around that one completely. Um, in all honesty, I, I don't think we've got it nailed down yet, but, but it's something that we see and that we're working at. Well, the fact that we're even working towards it at all is a lot more promising than even just 10 years ago where it seemed like people weren't even aware that mental yeah. health was something we should be worried about. I agree. Well, I, mean, I, I think my attitude about it has changed over time. And I really thought the whole world was getting to be a little bit whiny. <laughs> well, however I feel about it, it doesn't matter. But the reality is what matters and, and how do we help it, what the way things are. How do we help people? Right. Is what matters. Well, this has been awesome talking with you. We're actually a little over an hour now. But, yeah. It's hard to believe I could talk an hour. <laughs> you did great. You did really well. This has been an awesome episode. So, uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for sharing some of your wisdom with us. Well, I don't know about the wisdom part, but I'm, I'm <laughs> proud to do it. Thank you, Dakota. All right. You guys have a great day. <laughs>